When you think of great duos, who do you think of? Jordan and Pippen or LeBron and Dwayne Wade. I mean, I talk about basketball a lot here on this podcast, but for the Barcelona version, there's PK and Puyol or PK and Mascherano or the easy example of Xavi and Iniesta. And as you can hear from my voice, the perfect teammates aren't just professional athletes. It's cold season. I guess the flu and cold medicine, perfect teammates as well. But in this case, when it comes to growing your business, that's you and Shopify. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. To be honest, I've been doing this show long enough. And as I mentioned, it's cold and flu season. You hear it in my voice, especially during the holiday season. So whenever it comes to this business, anything that I can set up and kind of have working in the background that I know and can trust is just plugging along without my attention. Those are the things that I really value at this point. So when my brain is foggy, all I can do is manage to turn on the microphone, talk to the guest, or just talk to myself and get out a piece of content. Everything else, having that all automated or working in the background, that's been important to keeping me sane. And that's the thing about something like Shopify. What I do love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. So no matter how big or small, how good of a month or how bad of a month, things are just the same working in the background. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs on every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tbpod, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash tbpod now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash tbpod. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the camp. No, this is episode 68, and thanks again for either tuning in or joining us for the first time. If you've got an iPhone, please subscribe via iTunes. If it's Android, it's Google Play, and on Spotify on either device. We're on social media too, on Twitter at the Barcelona Pod or at HiltonD13, and on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. We want to give a special thank you today as today's show is brought to you by the Patreons on this International Women's Day, and we all thank our Patreons for helping us to make new shows twice a week. If you aren't a Patreon yet, you can go to either patreon.com backslash the Barcelona podcast or even easier at tbpod.link backslash Patreon, and that'll take you right to our Patreon page where for just $3 a month, you can help us make and continue to make new shows every week. Frances, from all the way across the ocean, what do we have in store today? Today, we're going back through the ocean because we're going to be talking to the Peña Barcelona of Los Angeles. I am hugely excited to bring that interview to you because we're going to get to know a group of supporters who have done a lot of work over the years and um, they are ready to share it with the world and we're happy to be the preferred platform to do that. And after that, uh, the great Eugenia Caroli is joining us for La Ronda de Preguntas and it's going to be a hot one. The Barcelona Podcast 68 starts right here. Frances, you didn't talk to the entire Peña, but you did in particular talk to Eric and Jose, and we'll go to that interview now. This is Eric and Jose 
from the Peña Barcelona of Los Angeles, and they've been one of our most adamant supporters, always on Twitter, making sure they're plugging our podcast even before we do on so many occasions. So a big thank you to them, and here's that interview. Okay, thank you, Dan. I am honored to be joined by Eric and Jose from the Peña Blaugrana Los Angeles. Um, I don't think anyone sort of knows this, but I've been in love with Los Angeles throughout my whole life. My dad is a huge LA Lakers fan, and uh, I'm very excited to welcome you both to the show. How are you today? Doing good. Thanks for having us. Doing good. Great also. Thank you for asking. Brilliant, brilliant. Um, so, obviously, you're one of the most active Peñas on Twitter. Um, I have been following your steps for several months now. And after every game, you post a photo. And to be honest, I'm so jealous. The sun's shining. You're all happy. And to be honest, we're winning a lot of the time. So, where does all of this passion come from? How, what is it like to be a member of Los Angeles Peña? Well, I mean, I'm going to speak a little bit for myself. I mean, uh, I've been a Barca fan since... Uh, kind of like 97 and uh i grew up in a different country and when i moved back here to la back in uh 03 uh i was you know passionate about soccer and uh football i should say and uh you know i was trying to look for something you know related to our barca club and uh luckily i was able to find some uh friends and start getting together and uh and the passion is just, luckily, it's everybody else, all of us, that, that we bring it all together every, every game, every weekend. Yeah, I mean, I became a Barca fan, you know, mid-2000s, you know, just kind of right before that Pep era. I was kind of aware of the club, and then in the Pep era, you know, it, it was hard to, to not be aware of, of Barcelona, and... When I moved to L.A., it was kind of the same thing as Jose, where you just kind of looked for passionate fans or, you know, you wanted a place to watch a game. And um, at that time, there was there was no real official club presence. So it was really just everything that we do was kind of born out of that passion. It was just a bunch of people that got together and were willing to get together for every game, regardless of whether it was 7 a.m., uh, 4 a.m., you know, we get the nice noon games, and uh, yeah, it all just kind of snowballed from there. Wow, okay, so obviously it all comes from the heart, doesn't it? I mean, there's lots of football teams in the world, and you guys are from Los Angeles, so why Barca? Why didn't you go for Madrid? Why didn't you go for Juventus? Why didn't you go for any other team? Why, <laughs> why does it have to be us? Well, I mean, for me, I mean, the why doesn't look good on me. I'm just saying that. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't look good on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> but uh like i said i mean uh me a little quick story uh back in 97 in my home country of salvador uh i went to my parents uh, bedroom and uh for some reason we have a television uh espanol the channel tve mm -hmm. and uh when i put it when i flipped the channel it was barcelona playing betty's for the uh, copa del rey final and from that day on i fell in love with that team and uh I stick with them in the good and bad times. Definitely some bad times around that era. Because I remember when we all know what happened with Figo. Yes, so, we do. And I, from that day on, I stick with them. And uh, I'm, I'm on the type of guy that I, if I stick with something, I stick to the end no matter what. That's, at least that's for me. Of course, of course. That pretty much is the right way to be. Eric, how about you? So for me, I kind of... Uh, hit a 
a point in my life where I kind of wanted to pay more attention to sports. And um, my my family uh, came to the United States as um, refugees from Cuba in the late 60s. And uh, so I was always really you know, fascinated with my family and where we came from. And so when I wanted to get into sports, I, I knew that with soccer, it, it generally came with a lot of passion and it meant something. And I kind of found out that, you know, you generally pick a, a club from your hometown. And I grew up in San Diego and we didn't have one. So I naturally kind of went to my family and was like, okay, well, where, where should I look? What should I do? And my dad was like, oh, well, my, you know, my dad's family's from Barcelona and my mom's family's from the Canary Islands. So you should probably start there. And so this was right around 2003, 2004, right when Messi made his debut and um, you know, it was it was kind of the beginning of something really special for the club, and I just kind of went, okay, well, this this just makes sense. I'm going to do this, and I just never looked back. I didn't always pay as much attention as I do today, where I'm watching every game, but I was always aware of what was going on, and and you know, over the years, it it kind of picked up and became what it is today. And it is something very special that has got millions of fans around the world. I mean, we wouldn't have this podcast going if Barca was not such a sort of world-renowned, powerful entity that people are drawn towards. And, and we are honored, honored to have you and honored to have such a large community. Now, in terms of, um, you were talking about the early 2000s, out of all the players that you've seen during that era, which one would you sort of pick and put in a time machine so they can join the current squad? If you had to choose one player. Hmm. Uh, for me, I think, I think it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Puyol. It's gotta be just kind of that heart and soul of what Barcelona DNA is, what it, what it means to wear the colors with pride, what it means to go out there and, and, and play just a, just a good foundationally sound game from whistle to whistle and just put your heart on the field. And he's such a, a legend for the club. I, if he played every day for all time, I would I would never be unhappy. <laughs> same here, same here. He's my idol. It's, it represents pretty much everything that's good about Barca, not just the winning spirit, which was obviously remarkable, but the fact that he always had his heart in the right place and, and he would support other people. Be, be demanding, but always be supportive. Jose, mm -hmm. who was your favorite around those years? Oh, me, to me, it uh, was Rivaldo. I, I like that guy. That guy, I mean, he would give everything for you. I mean, I don't know. I still remember I was eating lunch and uh, the game, though, he made a Chilena outside the box to, uh, against Valencia, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And uh, pretty much that goal, I think he, we didn't even win. I think it was a tie, but that tie made us go to the Champions League. And, I mean, that to me, that guy right there, and, you know, he gives he gives his heart out and uh, he showed all the professionalism that he for him so I'll, I'll do Rivaldo for me some attacker Absolutely. but Puyol is right there <laughs> yes I, I take that guy to the bones of course two very good picks there guys um, now going, going back to La Peña um, you obviously meet somewhere in Los Angeles and you had quite a bit of fun um, can you tell us a bit more <laughs> about the experience um, of watching Barca all together uh, yeah so we meet in um, Lucky Baldwin's which is a a pub just outside of uh, Los Angeles in, in Pasadena. And, um, you know, 
to 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 get together with your friends every game and and to be able to just kind of sing and talk about the game during the game with people just as passionate as you is is something that I, I, it's it's special. It's it's something you can't you can't imagine how much you love it until you start until you start doing it. So that you know to go on this journey to to, to be a Pena and and to do it with this group of of fans that we have all meeting in the same place is just you know it, it's it I think it's more than anybody thinks they're going to get when they go and be a part of a Pena, and that's that's really what makes Pena special. I agree. So, out of all the games you've watched together, what was the most special and what is your favorite moment of that game? Jose, let's start with you. I'm going to say definitely uh, the Clásico Bernabeu. Not this past one, the one from the last season. When, last uh, spring, right? Yeah, last spring, correct. Yeah, they when uh, we were up 2-1, then uh, they titles almost towards the end. And then, of course, we got Messi. Uh, with a big special run from Sergio Roberto, uh, that 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 game right there it was for us. I mean, our first Clásico in uh, you know with you know trying to do uh, the Peña right here in LA and everything, and uh, you know putting a technically a full bar for you know supporting us and everything and uh, all together. And with that special of a, a game, you know, a last minute goal, I, I think you just you just can't beat that. I think that to me that one right there and like. Eric said, you know, having with all these passion fans and uh, you meet new people every other weekend and having a great game like that, that one to me was the best. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to agree. I think I, I think that game in particular was really special. That was kind of, um, that was our first real, like, marquee game in the place that is now, you know, our our home and the place that we go to for every game. And, you know, you kind of throughout the season, depending on the matchup, you, you know, sometimes you get great turnouts. Sometimes you get okay turnouts at 7am. So to, to kind of see what a full bar of uh, passionate fans all in one place with this dramatic last minute goal was just kind of, it it, it was unique and, and it was special. Yeah. I think, Jose really nailed it. Okay, so can you describe then when Messi scored that winner at the end and he sort of took his shirt off and was pointing at his number and his name so that the Bernabeu people remember it, you know, as if they're ever going to forget it. Um, what was the place like? What happened? How did you celebrate? Do you, do you run? Do you hug each other? What do you do? Uh, there's, a, there's a standing only section right, right behind the bar and, and right before the tables where kind of you can tell how, how packed or how intense a game is based on how many people are kind of standing in that area. And that area was just shoulder to shoulder packed. And I think everybody was kind of hoping for some last minute magic, but you, you had, you know, that, that hope that it would come through, even though it's a classico and it's hard fought. And so when that last goal comes in and Messi takes his shirt off, Everybody in the bar stands up, screams, people start chanting, people start, you know, just cheering, hugging each other, going nuts, uh, you know, chanting Messi's name. And it was just nonstop. I, I don't even remember how much time happened from that goal going in the back of the net to 
the last whistle, it was it, it was the rest of the day was a blur after that. And that's precisely what Messi achieves, isn't it? His <laughs> magic week in, week out, um, sort of lifting people's spirits around the world with his magic. And um, I, I, I wasn't there, but thanks to your description, I really think that I was very close. And to be honest, I can't wait to go and visit you. And talking about people visiting you, is it difficult to get new members? Um, do you have a sort of traveling fan base that comes and, and hangs out with you? How, how does that work? Um, so it's not it's not too difficult to get new members. the The hardest part is because LA has such a like long and winding history with um, Pena groups, you know, unofficial Pena groups. There's a lot of kind of misinformation on you know depending on where you look to find out where people are meeting. So you get a lot of initial confusion on you know oh you guys meet over there you know where where should I go. Will they be open? And the answer to all of that is always, we, we meet at, you know, this Lucky Baldwin's. We meet here every game, regardless of time. The answer is always yes, right here and yes. So until people find that out, it, it can be a little difficult just depending on where they, you know, where they last met a group or, or where they found their information online. But once they get in there and once they experience a game with other fans, it, it's not difficult at all. So... Online, we really try and reach out to, you know, the greater Los Angeles community and participate in discussions about sports. You know, we uh, LAFC had their first game this last weekend, you know, just kind of congratulating them on becoming a team and then also on their on their first victory, um, because there's bound to be soccer fans that follow MLS and didn't know there was a Pena for Barcelona. So we try and just kind of make ourselves known. And then um, after that, it's it's pretty easy to, to get people that just kind of wander into the bar. And in terms of traveling fans, you know, we get some fans that travel almost, what, an hour, an hour plus for, for most games to come visit us. Um, we have some that definitely travel, you know, maybe 45 minutes per game to come watch with us. And then we get a lot of out-of-town visitors, I think, uh, Montreal Pena's president is coming to to visit us in a couple weeks. Um, Dallas's Pena had a member come out. Um, you know, Fresno comes to visit us every so often. Uh, the the Pena community definitely is willing to travel to to go wherever they need to go to watch a game. It's just a matter of getting them to find you. Yeah, that really is remarkable because, you know, an hour plus, that's, that's quite far. You know, like, obviously, I'm a member of the Pena Blaurana here in London. And I don't really go as often as I would like to. Obviously, I've got little girls at home. My baby is now four months old. But um, even when I was single and didn't have these obligations at home, I didn't always get down because it's quite a trek. So it must be very, very special for people to, to be that committed to it. Um, Jose, how about yourself? How do you feel about new people coming in? Is that something that you guys are working towards? Um, what, is, what is the vision? In, in your opinion, what, what do you want to achieve? You know, we've got like new uh, members or new people showing up. We always, first of all, we always make them feel welcome. You know, we always go there, you know, we see a new face. We go there and, and, and say hi. We, you know, we talk to them. We, we explain them what, you know, how, how we get together over here. We're always going to be here. Somebody, majority, you're going to see the regular, you know, the main, the core group. You're going to see it over there. And we're gonna tell we tell them that no matter what time the game is, we're always gonna have somebody in here to have a good time. And 
and we just show the environment like how you know important it is for us to support the club like you know like watching the games and and have they feel uh feel a good time on it good. and then i think eric can help me out with the oh the the greater vision so yes so our our Pena's kind of main mission objective right now is we're going through the paperwork process of, of becoming official so we're you know, kind of in the weeds with that, kind of working through step-by-step step with the club. And um, that our main focus is not only, you know, finishing that process and giving Los Angeles its um, a, a, a Pena that they can really be proud of and, and that the club is proud of. Like, you know, New York's a great example. They're, they're a world-class Pena. They do. Mm-hmm. They run a great operation. Um, but outside of that, our goal is really to just kind of help grow what this what this club means to us and and help spread it to the rest of LA. So we know that LA is a huge market. There's so many fans across the city and you know, we talked about the the people that are willing to travel over an hour. LA is such a large city. Those people should be able to have a bar that's closer to them. So a big goal for us going forward will be to find partnerships with other locations across the city that want to also become official Barcelona bars and um, would be willing to kind of do what what our headquartered bar does and um, you know as long as there's a game on show it and have a good be a a good place for there to be a healthy environment for people to watch Barcelona games that's friendly and people can really enjoy themselves so our main objective is to kind of service the greater community in Los Angeles, but also to kind of be a good member of the Pena community worldwide. That sounds great. I mean, that's quite a unique approach. Normally, all the Peñas we've spoken to and that we know about, they sort of meet in one location, but that that about spreading it and making it more accessible to people, that seems like a great idea. I'm really interested to see how that develops in the future. Um, I wanted to ask you both as well. Obviously, we're having quite a good season results-wise. Um, do you think that the growth of your Peña has to directly do with the fact that we are quite good at winning football games? Or do you think that if the team started losing, um, you would find it harder to grow? What's your thought on that? My, my, my two cents, I think here in America, it's based a lot on how the team is doing. and Because... Me growing up in a different uh, in a different country, people sometimes support their team regardless of how they do it. But sometimes here in America, you it's a little bit different. It's a little bit hard. And answer your question, I'm gonna say yeah, it does help a lot that the team is doing very well to uh, you know to attract more people to come and watch games. But at the same time, America is very very tough when it comes down to like have like free time, you know. Over here, at least in California, it's the pace is is very fast. Is you know like sometimes you don't you don't you don't have time for you. You know you have your family, you have your job, and it's hard to find a, a decent time for you to you know to catch a game because you always have to be doing something either re- related to a job or to your family. But bottom line is it does do help that the team is doing well in order you know for getting people more coming in to watch a game with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that if the team were doing um, poorly and say we were in third place or if we were having Madrid season right now, 
Um, I think that you would still see people turning up for Champions League. You'd still see people showing up for the Clasicos. The, the, the big games sell themselves, and Barcelona fans will always come out for the big games, especially in America. I think the smaller games, you know, a Malaga at 7 a.m. on a winning season, you're going to get a good crowd. A Malaga 7 a.m. in a Madrid season, you're not going to. You're going to get a small handful of people, and you'll, you'll be happy that anybody showed up. Um, so it really depends in the U.S., I think, a lot on who you're playing. And then the, those lower-tier games against relegation zone opponents or just lesser-known opponents, those are the ones when you start to see numbers there that you really recognize, oh, this is because we're doing well, that people just want to show up and have a good time. Now, um, Eric, obviously, last question. Very, very pleased that you could um, be in the podcast today. I'm talking to thousands of listeners around the world. How do we find out about Peña Blaurana LA? Where are you online? Are you on social? Do you have a website? How do people find out what you're up to? So you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Peña Barca LA, P-E-N-Y-A-B-A-R-C-A-L-A. And we update everything uh, as regularly as, as we can. Uh, you know, Twitter, we interact with other Peñas and, and fans as much as we can. Facebook, we post about, we post in advance of every game and we tend to give out a bit of extra information about games there and Instagram is the best place to go to find the same information as Facebook, but we'll post some extra pictures there, so. That's brilliant, that's really good. I have to say you guys are very good at social media. I honestly feel like I'm part of the team, although I'm several kilometers away. <laughs> you are. Hey, well, you are you're welcome to join us anytime. Of course, of course. Um, I haven't really spoken to my wife at all, but I may be doing a USA tour at some time soon. Um, I think I have to tell her, I think. But um, it's been a pleasure to have you here today and uh, all the best for the future. Hopefully, we can stay in touch. Thank you. Our pleasure Great. was Thanks ours. for having us. Again, a big thank you to Eric and Jose from the Peña Barcelona of Los Angeles for not only always helping to promote our show and help the Barcelona podcast community grow, but also for coming on the show and explaining what a budging or rising star Peña is like over in Los Angeles. Of course, if you're in that area, and we know a lot of our listeners are in the Los Angeles or in Ca greater California area, maybe I know California's big, but head on down and watch a game with Eric and Jose. Sounds like a really great time. Time, however, for us to have a good time of our own in La Ronda de Preguntas. We've got a few questions today. And at this time, Francis and I are joined, of course, by Yoenia Carroll Who else on International Women's Day? And Yoenia, again, thanks for joining us. Yay, I'm back. It's the perfect day to be back celebrating International Women's Day. I'm sorry I couldn't join you guys after that amazing match against Atletico on, on Sunday. But I got a little carried away with the celebration. You know, it was a very important match. And at 12 o'clock at midnight, it was actually my birthday. So I tied up one celebration with the other one so I couldn't make it to the podcast. But I'm back. And I'm back for good, guys. So beware. <laughs> Cumpleaños feliz. That's it. That's all you're getting. In Catalan, in Catalan. Montas felicitats. Montas Dan, sorry about that, man. Sorry. Let's focus. Let's focus. All right, let's go with the first question. I think this is going to be mainly for Frances and I. 
Kule for life asks, who do you feel performed the best from the B team against Espanol yesterday? Who are we closest to seeing in the A team in the future? And of course, referring to the win in the Copa Catalunya final, which is just basically a glorified friendly where neither team took too many chances. There was still a little bit of rough and tumbling tackling in the second half when the competition raised a little bit, but really it was just the likes of Vidal and Dembele and Denise Suarez and Jasper Sillison in net being the star, really the fringe players for the Barcelona's A-team and a lot of B-team players in the second half in particular making their starting roles. And for me, Frances, I want to say that my biggest surprise was Jorge Cuenca, who, because I don't get to watch the B-team often, I didn't realize that we had this 18-year-old left-footed center back who was going to be that good. But I think the obvious answer who is who is closest to seeing the A-team in the future is Carlos Alenia who looked like our best midfielder. He was really good for the duration of it. He had that Barcelona quality. He was moving the ball quickly. He was timing his runs, and he had a few opportunities, not on net, but a few opportunities to help push the team forward and control the pace of the game. And to me, that was really impressive, with the exception, again, of Cuenca. Then our first team is, of course, Dembele showed well in the first half. Denise Suarez, I thought, was decent when he was on. Yuri Mina barely took a step wrong. And, of course, Jasper Sillison was a star of the game. I agree. Um, I think the first two players that you mentioned were my two players of the match. I think Cuenca was incredibly surprising. As you're saying, he was incredibly safe, secure on the ball, and he covered up a lot of spaces, covered up a lot of ground as well. He's got a lot of stature, which obviously does help when you're a centre-back, and he was the most impressive. But the most first team ready is Alanya. I think he is ready now, to be honest, to, to make a to make the jump. He was training with the first team today, obviously after Denis Suarez is injured and obviously Iniesta, as we talked about in a previous podcast. So Alanya should be joining the first team soon. He's already training with us, which can only be great news. Actually, a quick correction immediately is that Cuenca is actually, they say he's right-footed, but it depends on the source you find. I've also seen he's been left-footed. So it looks like he's good with both feet, and that'll be a bright spot for the young center back. And hopefully we see him a few years down the road, not ready just yet. Chris Ataya asked, however, thoughts on our chances in the Champions League? And Yoenia, I'll throw this one to you right away. I think um, I was a little bit worried with the, with the return leg after that match against Las Palmas last week. But as I mentioned in that podcast after that match uh, last Thursday... And I, I said, we, we need to focus on the important matches. As you mentioned on Twitter, actually, Dan, because I'm actually following you as well. Um, there are certain matches that definitely weigh more than others. And that match against Atletico sets up the bar really high and sets up the, the team's confidence really high for that return uh, match against uh, uh, Chelsea on, on the 14th here at Camp Nou. And I do not see a problem of making it through to the quarterfinals of Champions League at all. Yeah, that's going to be the way they're going to play against Chelsea. The exact game they played against Atletico Madrid. Because exactly. as, as Frances and I talked last week, a 0-0 draw gets Barcelona through because they have the away goal. So if you want beautiful Pep Guardiola, Xavi Hernandez football, then maybe don't tune into Chelsea. But if you're wanting to get a result, certainly Barcelona should be the favorite still to do that. Next question comes from Athson Fire on Twitter. So in the last match against Espanyol, this is again talking about the Copa Catalunya, Dembele was seen touching his hamstring over and over again. There's something wrong. What do you think about that? And I'm going to tie this into another question we got from Abhishek 
on Twitter. Your thoughts on the Spanish media reporting Dembele isn't giving 100%, a lack of motivation, a communication barrier, and off-the-field issues. And just check out a few of those threads from some of the more highly touted Barcelona personalities on Twitter, and you're going to see that there's a lot about whether or not Dembele is trying to learn Spanish, how engaged he is in the practices, the fact that he doesn't really seem to have any relationships other than with Digne and Umtiti, and a lot of other things about his efforts on and off the field to integrate himself into the Barcelona team and being away from the team for so long. And I think from my perspective, of course, that's a frightening thing. But as far as the hamstring, the injury problems, if he's hiding that, that's another problem. And how do you take all this in, Frances? And do you think this is just a whole lot of smoke? But certainly there must be a little fire there. I would say there probably is something. But then again, this is a player that is incredibly expensive and has has been sort of breaking records in that respect. It started, got injured, and people like to make up stories. I mean, there's a lot of newspapers to sell. It's a whole business. I mean, Eugenia, obviously, uh, living in Barcelona, being hugely involved, probably cannot to this, but there's always this need to have new Barca news. And in, on Twitter, you know, I haven't been on Twitter for that long, uh, but I really have realized that people just like to voice up sort of obscene outrageous opinions because that causes people to turn their heads but I would say he's 20 years old he's a very gifted player and we just need to give him time the moment he starts assisting and scoring all of this is going to be forgotten and I really hope and I think this time is not going to be too far away in the future we just need to trust him I completely agree with you, Francesca, and, and I just have to emphasize on the fact that when it comes to the Spanish media, they are always looking for anything to speak negatively about uh, Barcelona, uh, principally in, in in this case, and it there's always they're always looking for that uh, smoke curtain to cover up other things that are actually happening. And for example, Real Madrid being third in La Liga, uh, 15 points or 16 points away from the leader, that's Football Club Barcelona. So there's always, you know, as you mentioned, there's always the need to sell papers to get more clicks on that link through Twitter. Through Twitter. And I, I think this is definitely just one of those smoke curtains. And I mean, he, he, He's coming back from not one injury but two, so there's, and that's the main reason why he hasn't been playing in the starting eleven ever since he just got back. And he played yesterday against in that uh, Copa Catalunya against Espanyol. But I think it's only a matter of time before we see him pick, picking up his game and actually becoming the the player that we paid for, right? For a very expensive player that is only 20 years old and he needs. He needs to build up his confidence as well. Next one comes from Jack. Kind of a repeat of a question that we answered at the beginning. Who impressed you the most in the Copa Catalunya final? And again, it goes back to that same guy, Dembele. I thought he was really good in the first half, really bright. But for me, of course, it comes down to the fact that Elena was so impressive. But I think I want to take us in a different direction. Other than Cuenca and Elena, I also want to say, uh, for me... Again, not necessarily on the field playing really, really well, but after the game, you saw Gary Lineker was speaking up about Barcelona's performance, and in particular, the first Englishman since Gary Lineker comes in playing for the first team in Marcus McGuinn, who, again, an Englishman, could also play for the Irish national team. He's a defensive midfielder, and with Oriol Busquets out for an extended amount of time to at least the end of this season. And, of course, Sergi Samper, who's had some failed loans and is now back in Barcelona recovering from his long-term injury, 
having those defensive midfielders working out and having a teenager be as promising as he is, and he's had some promising performances for the B team as well. I'm liking that that's the position where there seems to be a pipeline. So while his performance in 25 minutes in the, in the Copa final wasn't that impressive, I was very happy with the fact that it seems like there's some depth, at a, a very, very pivotal position for Barcelona. Yeah, that's very true. I just want to add that it really makes me very happy when I see players coming through the ranks um, that are sort of our own La Masia players, uh, you know, from the infantile all the way to to the first team, but also having players that have joined us at any stage. And obviously, Maguan joined us very recently. Um, It really is great to see youngsters um, adding fresh blood to the first team because we do need it. I mean, um, Xavi, Iniesta, Puyol... They're not going to be here forever. In fact, some of the ones I mentioned are no longer with us. So looking towards the future and giving chances is all that Barca and La Masia is about. And I am delighted. And I understand that Copa Catalunya is not that important, but I am delighted that these players got a chance to shine at the bigger stage, although the stage hopefully will be bigger in the future. I don't think it's a, it's it's an important... Obviously, it's not. we're not going to compare it to uh, the game against Atletico, the upcoming match against Chelsea. But I do think it's a very important match to get those players of the B team and actually those players that haven't gotten that many minutes this season to to actually get out there and, and play and, and get their rhythm together because you never know when we're going to eat them. Now we have a Iniesta out and we need to have those players, you know, up at their 100%, their 100% for that match against Chelsea because we never know what can happen and we never know what we can when, when we can need them. My final question from Brian, and it's one that I absolutely hate. I think it's petty and silly, so I'm going to let the two of you work on this one. How do you feel about Neymar's first season at PSG? Again, my, my answer is wrapped up in three words. I don't care. <laughs> you know what? And Actually, this is such a funny question. It reminds me of a Spanish journalist that the first thing that he asked Sergio Ramos when he came out of the match against uh, PSG yesterday, was where do you want to see Neymar next season? You have Sergio Ramos right in front of you, and that's the first thing that comes to mind. For me, it's completely ridiculous. You know, it just demonstrates and shows that a seven-year project that they've been working on, investing millions and millions and billions, actually, uh, and that sometimes football is just not about money. You need to have the heart. You need to have a team, not just a player. And I think that just this is like a dog biting its own tail, especially when Neymar mentioned that he wanted to go to PSG to win the champions. And now he's not even making it past the round of 16. And he didn't even play the return leg. It's just everything is just like a circus to me. And I honestly, I don't care either. Okay. Um, on that note, I don't really care either. Either. <laughs> um, no, What's I... Me? Talking about Neymar. <laughs> yeah, no, for me, you know, when you leave Barca, there's only one way, and that way has to be down. Um, I am really sorry that he's injured, and I do wish him all the best for the future, but, you know, I think it was quite clear that it doesn't matter how much te- how much money you spend on building a team. A team comes together through a good manager and the goodwill and collaboration and, you know, sacrifice spirit from all, and... Um, Yeah, I wish that Neymar recovers very soon. I think that answers it sufficiently. The three of us aren't willing to really go down in the mud and try to condemn Neymar for leaving Barcelona. It looks like the team is in good shape with the likes of Coutinho, hopefully Dembele, and whoever is coming to the club even next summer as we've used all of that Neymar money. But we've also used up all of our time in today's episode of the Barcelona podcast. 
Please subscribe, comment, or most importantly, help join our budgeting community of Patreons who help produce this show and continue to help us make more shows twice every week. So, again, that wraps it up for this edition of the Barcelona Podcast. We're going to housebreaking story from the camp. No. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. And Forza Barca. Buena nit. Forza. Forza.